stand for the reading of the word. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with the shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you done? What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked, asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him, and he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. This is God's word. Well, we don't really like to talk about the supernatural, and we don't like to think about the supernatural, but today we're going to both talk and think a lot about the supernatural, so that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, I want to say a demon is a regular word that's used in the Bible for spiritual beings uh, that are corrupt and hostile to both God and people. That's kind of the definition that we're working with with demon here. And uh, Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he exercised a lot of people um, in his ministry. These demons, they're, they're fallen angels who serve Satan or the, or the devil or the accuser or the tempter or the ancient uh, serpent. Those are all different terms used in the Bible for, for the devil. Uh, they join Satan in his rebellion against God and, and, and they await final judgment. But demons have real, though limited, power. John Calvin, I love how he described um, when he was talking about uh, demons and their limited power. He wrote of them and he said that they drag their chains wherever they go and they can never hope to overcome God. I love that just visual imagery that they drag their chains. Um, so their, 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 their end is, is, is certain. But have you ever wondered uh, why in the Gospels, for example, we see so much demonic activity and then when we look at the world around us, at least our own experience, we don't really see that much activity, right? I mean, at least I don't. I don't know if, have you seen tons and tons of exorcisms lately? Anybody? No. 
Anyone? <laughs> uh, so, so, so how do we reckon uh, that? I think there's a good reason for that. Um, Jesus' earthly ministry was a, a direct affront, a direct attack on God's kingdom. And so it makes sense that there was a spike, a huge spike in supernatural paranormal activity going on um, because that kingdom was coming down. And so what did a demon do? A demon inflicted pain. He, uh, uh, they, 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 they exploit people physically and mentally. Ancients would often refer to someone who uh, had symptoms uh, as, as being demon-possessed. And I think it's important to note that demons can use other tactics and strategies uh, not just uh, through possession, uh, but to bring harm to people. They can discourage, they can cause doubt, they can deceive people. Uh, we think of, maybe, maybe you think of C.S. Lewis's famous book, The Screw, tu- Screw Tape, <clears throat> excuse me, Screw Tape Letters. Anybody read that before? A couple hands, all right. Uh, Uncle Screw Tape is kind of giving counsel. He has a mentorship program with Wormwood and how to essentially disbelieve in God. It's a really excellent uh, kind of fiction slash theology, uh, you know, on, on spiritual warfare. But I think we need to recover a sense, some sense of understanding that spiritual warfare today is real. We should identify the devil's tactics that try to draw us, steer us away from the Lord. And we need to be on guard with the word and with prayer. I think it's only that... Um, that our imaginations are too small, not that our imaginations are too big, that we refuse to talk about the supernatural and the spiritual. And so today we're going to talk about spiritual things. And in all this talk, I want you to remember one thing. Uh, it's as Martin Luther put it. He said, the devil is God's devil. It's a great way to think of it. The devil is God's devil. And you're like, what? <laughs> but I want you to know that even though demons exist and they can cause trouble, they cannot thwart the plans and intentions of God. Demons are God's demons. They're defeated. They are limited in power. And they're only allowed a little sliver of existence until God is completely done with them at the second coming. Amen? Amen. So there are three things uh, that a man named Legion teaches us this morning, and I want to focus on these three things. So the first is that legion is a picture of human need. Legion's a picture of human need. The second thing is that legion is a picture of human dignity, and the third and final thing is legion is a picture of human flourishing. So need, dignity, and flourishing. Let's think about the first thing. Legion's a picture of human need. So our scripture reading, it tells us of a man who was demon-possessed, The Bible tells us that by nature, everyone, all people, are ruled by dark and evil forces unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. And so we find here a vivid portrayal, a good picture, right, of the human condition on full display. How desperately we need for God to intervene in our lives if we're ever going to be set free. And so Legion was this man. Okay, so... Legion probably had a family at one point. We don't have that in the text, but I'm just going to assume. It seems like you know, he, he was probably a member of society. So he probably had a family. Uh, he probably had a job at some point. And, but when we come to know this man, Legion, he's familyless, he's jobless, and he's held captive by an evil spirit. 
These demons made it so Legion was no longer a part of society, but he was beginning to be isolated. He would become this social outcast who lived in the tombs. Uh, you know, it says actually that people had attempted to chain him up, maybe to keep him from such seclusion, uh, but he, he was so strong that he broke the chains. Strong but alone. He was the pawn of powers that were greater than himself that made him wild and strong. And uh, it says, too, that he would take sharp stones and he would be cutting himself. Um, and in the Old Testament, uh, that, that idea of actually cutting yourself with stones, uh, if we read in 1 Kings 18 or Leviticus, uh, it refers to ancient pagan worship rituals. And so he was really long gone, essentially, this, this man legion. So he no longer lives in cities. He now inhabits the tombs where ancients believed were haunted by demons. And then there's a little note that it says by day and night. It focuses on night. Night is, is basically when that paranormal activity is at its highest. And so I think that Mark wants us to really feel uh, some uh, level of um, suspense. You know, it's like a really good thriller, a great movie. You're just, you're on the edge of your seat. What's going to happen next? That's kind of what he's doing here. He wants us to see how haunted this creature Legion is. And we get the sense that, that Legion hated everyone and he, he hated himself, crying day and night. And so sin, I think, has this kind of effect on us, doesn't it? It makes us withdraw from community. It turns us in on ourselves, where we're bent in on ourselves, and, 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 and we're alone. But notice something crazy happens. Verse 6, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. And so this, this man who was so trapped in himself, all of a sudden, runs towards Jesus. But then something weird happens, right? He's kind of torn. Verse 7 tells us that this guy is really confused. Like, he wants Jesus to come and help him, but then he's afraid of the kind of freedom that that's going to bring. So verse 7 says, And crying with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. So there's this internal struggle here. He wants Jesus, but he doesn't want Jesus. Legion is a picture of human need. Of this inner turmoil of wrestling with wanting God. Like Legion, we'd rather hold on to what isn't good for us than surrender to the power of Christ over all of our lives. Like Legion, we'd rather remain unknown in isolation than known in community. At least hate is something we know. Love, hmm. So verse 9 goes on saying, And Jesus asked him, What's your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion is a common military term. At least they would have known it as a common military term for about 5,000 or 6,000 soldiers. It's a lot of soldiers, right? And, and it's no coincidence that this name is used in Mark um, to describe this demon-possessed man, since he lived in a land that was occupied by Roman military. So at the very beginning in, in verse 1, you know, we, we, we see that this is, this is in, in the Gerasenes. This is the, the region of the Gerasenes, which was a Roman-occupied area. It was a Gentile place, so non-Jewish place. And, and so what Mark is trying to, to signal out and show us is that Satan's opposition to God is not a flippant thing. It is completely organized like a Roman army. 
And he's coming after God's image, image bearers. He's working hard to wreak havoc on God and his people. He's strategic. He has a force. But even his mightiest cohort is not strong enough to thwart and prevail against Jesus. So verse 10, it tells us this. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Verse 11. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. So Jesus gives them permission. After they beg, right? And the 2,000 pigs go uh, wayward into the sea. And the demons kill the pigs. And so that leads us to the second point that I wanted to raise here. That legion is a picture of human dignity. Of human worth. Now, I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I was very confused. Um, I was confused because well, why would Jesus let demons go and kill a huge herd of pigs? Like, couldn't he just, like, say, go, be gone? Like, why did he allow them to kill 2,000 pigs? There's no answer given by Mark, at least in the text. We don't see anything, but I think there's a few good reasons. The first is that legion's a picture of human dignity. Let me explain that. Uh, Commenting on this, Charles Spurgeon, he wrote, Satan would rather vex swine than do no mischief at all. He's so fond of evil that he would work it upon animals if he cannot work it upon men. Isn't that good? That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So these demons are like their leader. They want to, as John 10 records uh, of of Satan's activity, their, their desire is to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what their purpose is. And so I think this helps explain why Jesus lets the demons inhabit the pigs. He wants everyone to clearly see that the, 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 the secret intentions of the demons, and that was this. That was that they wanted to kill the man just as they killed the pigs. Like, they're not about that, that guy's health. They're not about helping out Legion, giving him superhuman strength. Uh, no, their, their, their purpose was to kill him. And so people, male and female, are made in the image of God. Nothing pleases Satan more than attacking God's people, God's image bearers especially. It's his way of assaulting God. And so I think we have to see that by allowing the the pigs to die, Jesus is teaching us how much God loves a person. How much he loves this man, Legion. He loves him so much that he let 2,000 pigs drown in the ocean to show him how much he loves him. And now that's, I think that's in contrast to what people value, right? Sometimes what God values as good, people view as evil. For example, there's a, there's a growing number of people who, um, who would view birthing a child with disabilities as evil. And so we should put that, that baby's life to an end prematurely. Um, those in that, that camp would choose to abort the life of a baby prior to her being born. But, but God values all of life, even disabled life. Verse 14, look with me. The herdsmen fled and they told it in the city and in the country and, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus 
and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the, re- the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to see Jesus to depart, uh, sorry, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. <laughs> so they're trying to kick Jesus out. The people in the city are mad at Jesus. They're angry with him. They wanted him to leave. Why? Why would they ask him to leave? Well, according to some pig farmers in Iowa, it's looking, you know, pig farmers in Iowa, they know what's up. They know how to farm. Right, Adam? Where's Adam at? Anyways. Uh, But 2,000 dead pigs in the lake would have been disastrous uh, because it would have polluted the local water source. And and, and then for the farmers, when you think about it, 2,000 pigs, that's that's a huge herd, right? Uh, that, that is a lot of capital gain lost. And so economically, uh, there was severe damage that was done to the city, all because Jesus saved one man, one person. And what we clearly see here is that the city placed more worth, more value on pigs than they did on the life of a man. The pigs had value. The man, well, he just had a record of trouble. Jesus, by way of contrast, teaches us that all people of are more are worth they're of more value than sparrows. That, that that people are of more value than many pigs. And so even someone as, as societally as wor- as worthless as uh, a, uh, this broken madman who hid away in tombs, he's worth more than the price of those pigs. Legion's a picture of human dignity. That people are made in the image of God and are worthy of respect and are valued. And what, it, what, this passage, what the passage highlights and teaches us so well is that God loves people who are made in his image. He hates it when people live in broken conditions and are hurt and are not thriving and are not doing well. What he loves is for people to be valued and, and, and to be cared for and to be well. And I think... Uh, Something that for us to think about is, think about this from the man's perspective, right? Uh, This is a man who had lived his life being demon-possessed, who had lived his life cutting himself and and, and living out uh, in in, in the darkness of tombs every night, sleeping in tombs where the dead are. Think, Think of, from his perspective, Legion's perspective, he's a man who's been captive to evil spirits. How could he know for sure that those evil spirits would not return? How can he be certain that they would not come back to haunt him again? Well, just as surely as those pigs were thrown into the water and they drowned, so surely can he believe that those demons are not going to haunt him again. That's how sure salvation in Christ is, in other words. Um, Jesus proves that he assures this man of his promise for, of freedom for all who believe in him. The demons, they're gone. They won't be haunting again. Christ has broken the power of sin in this man's life. And let me tell you something. This is something that God wants to do for you. He wants to break the power and tyranny of sin and set you free in Christ. Jesus has the ability to free you from the guilt and shame of sin. He can wipe away all of your greatest fears and all of your greatest worries and concerns. He can give you full assurance, just as he gave this man assurance, that your past sins can never haunt you again. 
that you're free in Christ. That Jesus went all the way to the cross with your sins upon him. He died just like the pigs died in the sea to take away your sins and to buy you your freedom. So will you believe in him? Will you trust in him today? Let's think about the last thing, the third thing. Legion's a picture of human flourishing. Verse 19. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Now, if you've been reading along uh, in Mark's gospel with us, you might have a big question right now. Maybe you're nerding out on this question. You're wondering, why does Jesus give full permission to this man, uh, Legion, to go and preach, right, the good news? But then he tells someone like the leper, right, earlier in in the gospel of Mark, he says to the leper, shh, (laughs) don't tell anyone. Anybody wrestle with that at all, wondering why? Um, Well, there's a simple answer to the question. This is a Gentile, non-Jewish region. The Decapolis, that's literally, it means, you know, Deca is ten, polis, city, ten cities. That's what this place is. Uh, It's a Gentile region. They didn't have very many Jews living in those places. They didn't have the the religious authorities, um, you know, uh, breathing down Jesus' neck in this region. And so um, they would have heard the news for what it was. Without confusion, they would have seen Jesus as uh, the one who, who, who takes away the sin of the world. Whereas over in a, a region like Galilee, where there are many Jews, they would have had Jewish expectations about the Messiah and, and would have assumed a lot about Jesus and the religious authorities would have messed things up and, and things would have happened far too fast on the timeline uh, of Jesus going to the cross. And so that's why Jesus tells someone like the leper, be quiet, while he tells somebody like the legion to go ahead and speak. If you're wondering, just throwing that, throwing that out there. Um, but legion's this picture of human flourishing. Here's a man who, he was once a social outcast. He once didn't belong. He once lived in the, the tombs was howling about at night, cutting himself in the cemetery, and now he's transformed into a true follower of Jesus. He so badly wants to go to be with Jesus, he asks Jesus, can I go with you? Jesus says, no, don't go with me. I want you to go and tell what has happened here. I want you to go and tell what I have done for you to other people. It's an amazing transformation, something that only the gospel can produce in us. And a question, a challenge that I think emerges for each of us from this text and presses in on us is, who are we going to go and tell about what Jesus has done for us, for me, too? Who am I going to share the gospel with? Right? That's, I mean, that's, as your pastor, go and tell what God has done in Christ for you with other people. Right? Let the good news roll off your lips. Share the gospel with other people. Put a smile on if you're forgiven in Christ. That's good news, right? I see some like head nods. I see some smiles, some smirks. Now like the full-on smile's coming. Keep smiling. It's good news. Share that good news with other people. Share it. Those words spoken to Legion are, are words for us today. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, how he's had mercy on you. 
That's our task. We have neighbors who are not Christians. We have friends who are not Christians. We have family members who don't know the gospel. How are they going to know if we never tell them? Finally, Mark wants us to always see the bigger story. It's the story where Jesus will end up abandoned, naked, and outside the city of Jerusalem as he's tortured on a Roman cross. Mark wants us to see that this is how God is going to deal with demons for good. This is how healing is going to take place in our lives. Jesus is going to let evil do its worst to him. He's going to let evil destroy him like the pigs were destroyed so that people like you and me can be set free. All earthly powers have been brought to an end through Christ's death on the cross. And uh, the application today for us to whatever pains us, whatever areas of pain we have or our neighbors have or our friends have or our family members have, is to apply the gospel, to push the gospel into those pain points. Where people are hurting and suffering, the gospel has a voice. Where people are outcasts, where there are the least and the last and the lost, the gospel presses in with good news, announcing good news to captives, freedom from sin for people like Legion, who have been only bound by sin all their lives, all our lives. There's freedom from sin in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story about this man, Legion, that you have the power to break the shackles of when the strong man has bound us, when we are um, out of control and, and we're, we're unable to, to do what is right and we're unable to do and know what is, what is good. Uh, we thank you for this story of Legion, of what happened to him, that Jesus is the one who sets captives free, who breaks the chains of the bound. Father, there are those of us right now who have been chained for so long to a besetting sin. We ask for freedom in Christ from that sin. We ask that the shame and the guilt that hangs over us for that sin would be no more. Because we see your goodness. We see that all is forgiven in Christ. And we can go and sin no more because of that news. Father, I pray for freedom for my brothers and sisters here. I pray for freedom for those who are doubting right now, who have heard a lot of stuff about the supernatural and are going, I don't know if I believe any of that. I pray that you would speak to them this morning. I pray that you would... Let this be the first of many conversations leading from skepticism to belief in Christ. So, Father, we put these concerns, these prayers before you. We ask that you would answer them in Christ's name. Amen.